Hi, this is a disclaimer that the episode you're about to hear is part of a nine-week examination of the trans allegory of Silo on Apple TV. If you haven't seen it yet and don't want to be spoiled, go watch it and come back after. But seriously, go watch it. It's amazing. Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. It's time for the third installment of the unintentional trans allegory of Silo. Television core operating at peak efficiency. It's time to silo up. This week we're covering episodes two and three of season one. I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the scoundrel to my princess, Susan Bridges. Hello. And of course, our returning discussion partner, the lovely Samantha Cuddy. Oh, thank you. Hello. All right. So what has been the most surprising thing about your transition? Ooh, that's a good one. Um... I'm going to be perfectly honest in a little vein in that how much <laughs> HRT has affected me. Yeah. I started HRT at the age of, I have to do math here, in my <laughs> late 30s, 37, 38. That's the best math you get right now. And I've been on HRT for over two years now. And the changes, while subtle and slow, I'm to the point where I look at old pictures and I'm like, who is that person? Yeah. I do admit that I, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, I did get top surgery recently, mm-hmm. which also helped out things. But the fact that even it's not a young person's game, so to speak. Yeah. HRT is slow. Yeah. Mileage may vary, but I've personally, that's been like one of the most surprising things about my transition is how much it's worked both physically and mentally for me. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get from it. And everybody gets something different. It's not the same for all of us, which is what makes it, you know, part of it so hard. But there, there is a, a prevalence, I think, of, of information online where people say, if you don't start HRT by a certain age, you're not going to see any effects. You're going to see drastically reduced effects. And that's not true. That's not always true at all. You just don't know. And it's always worth trying. And it is never too late to start, you know, on any path in any way, getting to be more of the true person that you are. And the same thing has happened for me. Like, you know, when I started HRT, you you hope it's going to help. You hope it's going to help you see yourself and feel like yourself and look like yourself, but you don't know. And so when it finally starts to happen, it is an absolute surprise. The first time I, I saw my reflection and it looked more like me than it ever had, it blew my mind. Because you go your whole life without it. You don't you start to think it's not even possible. It, you'll never see yourself that way. 
And so when it does happen, it's it's a really magical thing. And that's where I feel representation matters. Visibility matters because, like you said, a lot of information is like, you don't start by here, too bad. But yeah, seeing, when, once my eggs started really cracking and I happened to look out and kind of following the right circle of people who later in lot midlife, so to speak, parents established in kind of seeing how this transitions have gone, the changes that they had, it was like, oh, it's not too yeah. late. Right. And it's, it's never not. too late. That's the thing I want to say to anybody listening is it's never too late. Absolutely right. And if you haven't seen Matrix Resurrections, that's one of the biggest themes of the entire movie is that it is never too late to become your true self. So don't listen to those people who say it is. When my wife and I watched that for the first time. I was just like pointing out like that's trans representation. That's what I was going through. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. All right, so let's dive into episode two of Silo. We see them wrapping Holston with the bad heat tape. His last words, sorry for all the fuss. He's still putting the feelings of cis people over his own need to learn the truth about himself. So deep is the conditioning to conform. We shouldn't have to apologize for our existence. Again, see the Trans Tuesday on Cis Greek for more on how awful this is. I don't know if this is just a me experience, but I did so much of that in the early days. Like, hey, sorry, yeah. this is going to cause issues. Sorry, I'm trying to get ahead of this. Sorry, sorry. It's nothing yeah. to be sorry about. It's you becoming yourself. It's you embracing who you are to be your best person, your best version of yourself. No longer yeah. trying to hide or operate, as I like to jokingly say sometimes, Operate as a virtual machine on top of the operating system when you could just run as the operating system itself and not have to strain yourself further. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a you're conditioned, I think, by society to see it as an imposition upon cis people that we want to be ourselves and not like them. And that means there's going to be some changes. And it's not an imposition. It's just human beings being human beings. Right. It's that you shouldn't you should never have to apologize for yourself. And that's when I, the first time I watched this and saw that scene, I was like, ooh, this is so, this is so fancy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so while Holston's outside, he sees exactly what Allison saw. And he says they have to see. And so he cleans the sensor. He's trying to help everyone else see the truth that he sees. But of course they can't. Inside the screens show the dead world outside, but Holston's shows life. But he can't see Allison's body. He takes his helmet off and then crawls to her, dies next to her. Marns and Johns are worried riots will start over a sheriff being sent to clean. Someone in power, not playing by the rules, breaks their brains. They don't know what happened pre-rebellion or what caused the rebellion, but maybe it was someone being sent out to clean. So they need a new sheriff ASAP to maintain order. That's all they're concerned with. We see Walk is listening on her illicit radio. And you see right here in episode two, communication is only for those in power. The sheriff and deputies have radios while the general public do not. And what do trans people need to self-actualize? Communication with our subconscious desires and the truth in our hearts. 
And again, I've written a whole lot on those very things in Begin Transmission, the Trans Allegories of the Matrix. Get a copy today, why don't you? So what helps trans people self-actualize? Communication with other trans people who've been through it before and show us we can do it too. We talked a little bit about this in the last episode. Invisibility. Yeah. And if all communication is controlled or restricted by cis society, how much more difficult does all of that become? And boy, that's happening a lot of places. There is. A lot of bills. You can't talk about it. You can see what they're doing. Got it. <laughs> it's like we want to roll back up, up several decades. Yep. To the point where we didn't have the internet. Yeah. Right? It's like you can't stop it now. Like, it's ridiculous. No, when you read some of the stories about what people back then would do to obtain transition healthcare, you realize even more is you can't stop this. We are, we've always been here. We will always be here. We've exactly always been right. part of the human race. Yep. Because we're humans. That's just how it is. <laughs> Juliet says George was paranoid because their relationship wasn't sanctioned. Again, they had their bodily autonomy taken from them. They weren't allowed to openly be in a relationship of their own choosing. And taking our bodily autonomy back, even in small ways, can make you feel like you're going to get caught and outed. We learn here that suicide is a crime against the silo, which means your body is more important to them than you are as a person. Again, this society has no bodily autonomy. And this is totally how cis society treats trans people when you stop to think about it for a second. Ooh, why should we give kids puberty bloggers? They may want kids. Or why can't, why yeah. do we need to stop people from having mastectomies? Or to, because we want to make sure they can preserve the fertility and all that stuff. Yep. Yep. And it's interesting that, like, I know they have mentioned, like, one queer relationship in yes. this show. But obviously, heteronormativity is the rule of the day yep mm -hmm. even though they're like well see we let these people have an lgbt relationship right means we must be cool it's with it uh, it just feels a little bit that way doesn't it yeah and also notice where that relationship takes place it doesn't take place at the top of the silo the top of the society chain right it takes place down in the engineering level they have to keep it hidden but also they don't matter. We don't care if those people don't reproduce. Therefore, it's probably fine. Yeah. Holston and Juliet, in flashback, go to see the site of George's death. He notices her watch is a relic, and she gets defensive and says it's legal. But this is him spotting something about her that lets him know she's not like the others. It's two trans people recognizing hints of transness in each other, even though they haven't yet realized it in themselves. And yes, this absolutely happens. I had a friend pre-transition I always felt a kinship with I couldn't explain. More than just like platonic love you would feel for a friend. We lost touch for a while and when we reconnected, both of us had transitioned. I couldn't have told you she was trans back then, but I also couldn't have told you I was trans back then. But we both were, and you can see that spark that you have inside of others. Holston knows Juliet and George were seeing each other but won't tell anyone. He's already more interested in truth than rules, so you see why he eventually came out. She takes him to the place George found. Juliet. What I'm about to show you is more illegal than any relic. I'm sure Uptop knows about it, but they don't seem to care. Holston. I'm from Uptop, and I have no idea where we're going. This is showing you that even people at the top, people in power like the sheriff, have the truth hidden from them by those who are running things. 
all of us, including the cishet white men with the most power in society, are fed the lie of gender assigned at birth. They go into a massive cavern with the digger that dug the silo and to George's little camp. She shows Holston the box of relics. George sold and traded them and was obsessed with the before times. He was searching for truth about himself and people like him. She finds the hard drive, a red level relic and a threat to order in the silo. Juliet, I don't care about order in the silo. I want you to do your job. To her, George's truth is more important than the order the silo wants. Holston, maintaining order in the silo is my job. Again, he was an integral part of the power structure that kept flame keepers and trans people oppressed, even without realizing it. This comes up a lot in the Matrix trans allegory discussions, but briefly, the lie of the cisgender binary matrix that gender is immutable and based on external genitalia at birth was established by cis white men and it keeps them in power and at the top of the social hierarchy. By buying into that lie, by never questioning it, you uphold the system that gives them the advantage and keeps trans people oppressed. You are a vital part of it. If you believe the lie and don't rock the boat, they stay at the top. If you realize that it's a lie, even if you agree with the gender you were assigned at birth, you are disrupting their power structure. Refusing to see it, to be aware of it, to fight it, is exactly what they want and need you to do. One of the hardest things about coming out for me in some ways was I've lived my whole life in this role. I got into this state of my life and state of my career, state of my family. And now I'm about to potentially hit the reset button on everything Yeah. in order to live my life. And for some, that is too hard of a button to push. The further you go down, because you've invested so much time, effort, energy into this. And it is a big deal to fundamentally change it because tell you to come out to somebody, tell them you're transgender, you don't know how they're going to react. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, your employer. Like me personally, I've been very lucky and privileged to have been accepted, but a lot of people are not. And we hear both sides of those stories. And it's very difficult to kind of navigate that in this society here. So you're basically what this kind of goes down to is it's the fallacy of sunk cost of spending so much time in a wall and having to break through that. Yeah, that's something that the Matrix films and even here at Silo, again, we'll deal with later on. We will talk about the obligations of society and the ways society wants you to conform and the things you have that you have to risk just to be yourself. So there will be much more on that coming later. And the reward. And the rewards for conforming. For conform. Yeah, (laughs) exactly right. We learned George is looking for a door at the end of the tunnel he saw in the blueprints. It's under the water, and that scares Juliet. If he has to go down there, she doesn't want to know until after. This is our first water appearance, and note that it terrifies Juliet. But she overcomes that fear just long enough due to seeing and knowing George and her curiosity about the truth, and goes down the rope. She dangles above the water and loses her light. The water, the dysphoria, is right there, and it's so big. And now, thanks to George, she's realized it's there, and it scares the crap out of her, and it's literally stealing the light. And she's left dangling above it, terrified of falling in. And this is the scene for me that 
resonated so much when I think yeah. about when I was starting to come out, when I was starting to put the pieces mm -hmm. together, it's like hanging onto a woe over the unknown, which in this yeah. case in the show is the water. You don't know how deep the water is. You don't know yep. whether you don't know if you can sink or swim. You don't know. And letting go of the rope at that point is a leap of faith, so to speak, in accepting who you are, that it will yeah. be okay. But it's scary. It's, it's so scary. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. Oh, and it's important that it's ne not something Juliet has ever seen before. Right. Growing up in yeah. the asylum. Right. This is insane. Like, right. just yeah. never. You don't even it. have pools. At least that's what right, we right. uh, really don't have pools. She doesn't know how to swim. She said that outright. That's right. Yep. And the rope dangles over the water. It's yeah. not like she can just climb down and get to the water. She has to let go and drop. Right. Mm. So you lose your safety net like you do when you the minute you say, I'm I am trans. Because yep. once you say that, it's not like you can take it back. Like even uh -huh, if, if, I was just kidding. Yeah, that doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. No. <laughs> All right. So then, episode three, Juliet makes it back up the rope, but she's terrified. We see she starts drinking and being self-destructive. And guess what happens to a lot of people when they realize the thing that always made them feel terrible was gender dysphoria. In here, we learn they need to shut down the generator to make a real fix. The system is broken and no band-aid will fix it. It needs an entire overhaul. And Juliet is the only one who can fix it, which sets up that she's the only one that can maybe fix their society. We learn later that Bernard's the one in charge of everything, and it's important to know that now when he says, it doesn't matter what I want, I just run the numbers. The numbers that just so happen to confirm exactly what he wants. What a coincidence. <laughs> Bernard says Juliet is the thief who stole four boxes of H57 tape from IT. This is heat tape that keeps their servers from cooking. I only mention it now because this is where it comes up, but again, we're going to talk about the heat tape at the end. It's also interesting that he's fixated on the heat tape. At this it really point. is. Out of a yeah. population of, I forget what the population is, is it 10,000 people in the cell? 10,000. 10,000, yes. And he's fixated on four boxes of heat tape. Foreshadowing? Very, very important to him. I wonder why. Hmm. Bernard says... Every hour, the silo doesn't have a sheriff or a clear authority figure. The probability of disaster increases. He says citizens are arming themselves because they don't know who's going to protect them. But from what? Huh? Protect them from what, Bernard? Everyone's excited to see Mayor Johns in the bids. I came to remind you how important you are. This community and the way you love each other that holds the silo together. Oh, the lies. I mean, she may believe them. We often fool ourselves into believing the lies we're told. Because that's a lot easier than saying, wait, that's not true at all. It's control and oppression that keeps the system operating the way it does. Especially when you are part of that control and oppression, even if unknowingly. Johns goes to see Dr. Nichols, Juliet's father. He says the loss of her brother and mother was hard on her and she always had an interest in machines as a kid. Always figuring out how things work, how to fix them if they didn't. This is kind of what being trans is. In fact, see the Trans Tuesday on Searching for Meaning to understand how incredibly trans this is. We're always trying to figure out how things work, why the insides are different from the outsides, in an attempt to better understand ourselves. And it's not just me who had that odd love of blueprints and cutaways and diagrams. After that Trans Tuesday came out, so many, like so many, 
Other trans people told me they always had the same fascination, too. It is officially a thing. <laughs> okay, so Juliet, about being on the rope. It's so hard to describe. It wasn't the darkness I was worried about. I just felt scared. That much water, it was more water than I'd ever seen, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't go down there. I feel pissed off. That's it, hanging on the precipice, knowing what's down there, but not knowing what's on the other side. That's seeing and knowing your dysphoria, but being afraid to confront it or see what's on the other side of it. It's Neo out on the ledge in the first Matrix movie all over again. And this is where visibility matters. Yeah. To show you what can, ha what can happen when you right. come out. And this is why I, why I love about... Our community is so many different ways people share the stories through books, through web comics, through podcasts, because yeah. those are things that you could then share, link, point people to saying, this helps explain it. This helps right. explain me beyond just words. Yeah, that was actually not to get too far off topic here, but I had somebody tell me recently that Begin Transmission, my book on the Matrix Trans Allegories, gave them the words to explain how they were feeling to people in their lives when they had come out and they didn't know how to explain it. And they could Aww. point to passages in the book and say, this is what I'm going through. This is how I feel. And that that was so cool. That meant a world to me. So it is always really important to, to, you know, not everyone can give back in the same ways, but we all have our own ways to contribute and help each other. And it's important that we do that. It is because we built, we built upon the works of everybody who came before us. Exactly. And we built and we keep, we just continue building the road to make it yeah. easier for the next person who makes it exactly easier for the next right. person. Even if it's just as simple as being visible, answering questions, yep. living, living, living the truth. Just being out, even if you're not like super online or not going to pride parades, just being out as a trans person living your life is enough to inspire other people. So. It's an amazing thing. Because there's still not a ton of representation. I know when you right. were talking about, like, maybe I should make this Matrix thing into a book. Yeah. And then you're like, I think maybe I'm the only person who could do this. Like, because we've been working in L.A. We've been working in yeah. Hollywood. We know the system here. And we know how screenwriting works. We understand structure. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying I'm the only person alive who could have you know, saw what I saw in those or here in silo, but it is, I think, a unique, a fairly unique position that I am in as a trans person and a writer and a screenwriter who lives in LA and writes these sorts of things to be able to kind of see what's going on and, and try to explain it to other people so they can see it too. But we're getting way off topic. Not to let me get back. It's okay. No, no, the discussion is what we're here for. But I also want to get back to silo. Like, okay. <laughs> Okay, so Johns says she thought Holston would succeed her as mayor. This shows you that the system is self-perpetuating. Those with power are given more. Those without are left without. Until someone like Holston uses his power to uplift those without, like making Juliet sheriff. This is how systemic change begins. By uplifting the voices of the marginalized, letting them tell their own stories, giving them the power to effect change that will help everyone. What I do want to comment, though, Holstrom's deputy actually hid at first Holstrom's he stories. Right. Yeah. He's like, and he kind of attributed it to, well, he was not all there mentally. Right. Oh, because he wanted to go out in transition. He clearly can't trust what he said. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he hid it from Johns until later on when she got like the what society was saying the next shift to be. And then yeah. Holstrom's deputy, whose name I forgot, and I feel bad now. Lawrence. Lawrence, thank you. Yeah. Gave her the note that Holstrom wrote, well, like the the yeah. very legal lease note naming Juliet. Right. We see that the generator is failing for real. Juliet goes in to try and save it and relieves some pressure, but the problem persists. This is a metaphor for her acknowledging her dysphoria, seeing the water down there. What's water under pressure? Steam, which powers the generator. The pressure cis society puts trans people under is literally what powers their ability to stay at the top and in control. Juliet relieved some of the pressure on her by acknowledging that dysphoria. Knowing what it is can be a relief after a lifetime of not. But the problem persists. It's not a solution. It's just the first step to fixing the actual problem. Johns goes to see Walk and mentioned Walk's radio is so prohibited by the pact, I don't know where to start. Walk was married to a lady, but it went south. We learn why that is later on, and yep, it ties into Walk being a closeted trans person. And yet Johns doesn't take the radio away. She does not. Because she likes Walk. Uh-huh. can break the rules if someone empowers If we like you. Juliet sees Marnes and asks if she's under arrest. It's the first thought that came to her. Because even if she hasn't consciously self-accepted, she knows she's been asking the right, quote-unquote wrong, questions and society won't tolerate it. Johns says Holston wanted Juliet to replace him as sheriff. Juliet is surprised and declines. She doesn't want to be part of the machinery of oppression. She wants to fix things. And they don't seem to let people do that. Johns gives Juliet Holston's badge as he requested. Juliet says Hank, the down-deep deputy, should be the sheriff they'd make him cut his hair. She knows that to be up top, you must conform, and she has zero desire to do that. Hank sees something on the back of the badge. Juliet looks at it. We later learn it says truth. It's the sign Holston said he'd send her. She tells John she'll take the job on the condition she fixes the generator before leaving. They have to shut it down. John's. That's never been done. People are going to be terrified. Juliet. People are going to be terrified when the rotor shatters and we're living off the backup in darkness forever. Just because something's never been done and people are scared of it doesn't make it bad. And if you don't fix the massive societal problem, it could leave 10,000 people in the dark forever. Again, we say hello to Supertext. John says tonight with power off for generator repair, people will be scared. If the power stays off, they'll leave the keys to the gun safe. The people at the top immediately jump to violence to secure their station. Not helping the scared people, not medical teams on standby. Guns. Okay, now listen, even outside the allegory I'm talking about, the entire generator repair scene is an absolute masterclass in stakes and rising tension. It's some truly fantastic writing, acting, and directing. Just be sure you appreciate it, because it's television at its best. The scene gave me a heart attack, okay? <laughs> And the special effects, the whole scene was just so... Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got goosebumps, okay. During the repair, Johns and Marnes go out to look at the dark and empty silo. They're the only ones who can break curfew, so they float the rules with no repercussions. Nobody else would be allowed to do what they're doing, and they take it for granted. This is exactly what cis people do with a lot of things. A big one is all the gender-confirming medical care they get and then turn around and deny to trans people. See the Trans Tuesday on that very topic for more information. 
They're out of time to repair the generator. The pressure is too high and it could explode. Juliet buys them more time by going in with the overheating valve with a fire hose to cool it down. It works, but she's in a hole and the water is rising and she can't shut it off. The water is rising and she can't shut it off. The dysphoria is growing and you can't stop it. But she stays because it's the only way to fix the problem. And we know she can't swim. She cannot. You must acknowledge the dysphoria before you can fight it, even though it may drown you. But if you can get through it, you can save yourself and everyone else. It is a community effort. She saves them and they save her. We get through it together and the lights come back on. Juliet goes to see Walk and gives her the video camera relic, hoping she can figure out what it is. Walk tells her, don't end up like George, because asking questions and challenging authority can get you killed. Why do you think Walk has stayed in the closet her whole life? Juliet flips Holston's badge and we, we see truth etched into the back. And so up she goes to take the job, hunt for the truth, and try to make a change. Thanks for being here, Samantha. Thank you for having me. Can Juliet make that change? Will she? And what happens when the truth isn't what you want it to be? Come back next week. Tilly Bridges, end transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.